0: Hello and welcome Dreamers to another episode of Dreamcast Years, this one being a very special one because it's not one of the regular episodes as it were but it is a Winterfest special and it's a crossover which I don't think we've done on Dreamcast Years but we have done with the Dreamcast Junkyard which are the exactly the people who are joining us today. So Dreamcast Years have done crossovers with the Dreamcast Junkyard, uh, DreamPod and this time they're coming this way i'm getting confused already this is dreamcast years <laughs> and we've got dreamcast junkyard people on it um as a bit of a joint Winterfest special so let me introduce everybody before we get started and maybe that will clarify things um so from the dreamcast years side of course you've got me andrew your host and you also have steve hello steve hello 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 and we have jason hi jason hello hello how are you <laughs> hello fortunately we don't have rich this time because he's not feeling too well so sending Ooh. all of our get best well soon to rich
1: it. yes indeed
0: um and joining us from the dreamcast junkyard dream pod we have three lovely people we have james how's it going james
2: hello i have mulled wine which is very appropriate for the festive uh edition of this podcast so hello hello hello
0: it is very very <laughs> very good good bit of mulled wine uh lewis we have you too do you have any mulled wine there
2: no,
3: I have water, and seeing as this is the time of Jesus, maybe he will come along and make it into wine, so fingers crossed. <laughs> Cheapskate. Okay,
1: let us know by the end of the episode if that is indeed eat. now wine. Yep. It would I be know. hilarious if he did come back and that was the only thing he did.
3: Yeah, just I'm for just... you
0: specifically.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's my birthday soon, so mm-hmm. you never know.
0: Well, Yeah, yeah, fair. And, uh, we also have Brian. How's it going, Brian? good. How are you, Andrew? Very good, thank you. Very good. Oh. So what do you have to drink? Do you have water as well?
4: No, I just got coffee. coffee. uh I, have, I haven't switched to to liquor yet, so okay, working on it. But it's still only uh, around lunchtime here, so yeah, still trying right. to get that energy up.
0: By the end of the podcast, maybe you'll have reached for the hard stuff. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh,
4: oh yeah. No, I think as <laughs> as this goes, there more and more bourbon will find its way into into the coffee or whiskey yeah. or something. Something's going in there
0: okay cool well we'll uh, we'll see how drunk you are by the end of the episode um i'm just on good old water uh steve J- uh, jason what are you what are you drinking
1: uh i'm also on water yes although i have no hopes of that being turned into anything more fun by the end of this
5: yeah um i'm taking rich's mantle for wacky beers tonight and uh i have a layer cake uh which is a marshmallow and chocolate stout okay awesome mm. Daniel very, Craig in very, there as well or it's very 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 nice what was it that? That Andrew sorry
0: is, it, is there any is it is Daniel Craig in there as well <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I hope not <laughs> is uh
4: is that one of the uh Omnipoyo uh varieties or Omnipolo I'm not sure how
5: to pronounce no it, it's not that it's fancy called. unfortunately oh. it's uh it's a brew dog oh, nice it is it's that I, I had it last year and it was. As soon as I had it, it, was like, "This is one of my favorite beers ever," and it still is today.
4: Awesome! Yeah, I took some of Rich's suggestions after the last uh, crossover podcast, uh, mm-hmm. where he talked about some of the uh, the kind of the maple pancake flavored yes. ones that that brewery that other brewery puts out. And oh my gosh, they're they're delicious! And yeah, I was pretty excited to be able to find them here in Seattle. Uh, we have a pretty good selection of both local, a lot of breweries here, but but a good import scene as well. So.
5: Um, reasonably priced the, uh
4: no nothing. no <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like probably like 13 bucks for a pint
1: yeah, that sounds about right yeah yeah that's all part of the craft beer experience yeah, yes.
0: yeah totally. well there we go we're all drinking some stuff so whoever's listening hopefully you've got something good to drink if you don't you've got time to go grab one you can pause this uh, unless you're listening on radio sega live i say live live in adverted commas um, but as it airs, as it were, because of course this is the Winterfest episode. So hello to all of our Radio Sega listeners. Thank you very much for joining us for another Winterfest edition. I hope you've all been enjoying Winterfest so far. If you're listening to this sometime in the future and it's not winter, uh, this, this this originally aired in winter. So that's why it's Winterfest. <laughs> Just self-explanatory really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so... What we're going to do, uh, as we always do, we do something obviously very Sega related. I mean, we're called the Dreamcast Years, right? But we very rarely talk about Sega, much to everybody's chagrin. Is that how you say it? Uh, yeah. Over on the Discord. There's t- taken the mick out of a little bit. The fact that we very rarely mention any Sega games on the, the Dreamcast Years. But, you know, it's just how it is. It's just, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, it's um, called Dreamcast Years, right? It's about the years... It is, it is. But, but doesn't it go
3: past said years?
1: Shh. <laughs> we don't mention that. <laughs> don't
0: bring logic into this.
3: <laughs> don't kick we me
0: just off. kept adding years. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, we'll talk about that year as well.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just multiple years is all you're committing to. You, know? yeah. you don't have to, yeah, you can change
0: that benchmark. Exactly, and we have multiple times, but I, I have promised I won't change anymore. So <laughs> we're set it's... in our years now
2: it's just the years in between dreamcast one and the inevitable dreamcast two anyway if you think you about it so yeah you know. there you
0: yeah. Go. i mean don't don't set that wild fan base off <laughs> it's, it's almost as bad as the sonic fan base <laughs> i say on radio sega <laughs> hi sonic fans <laughs> um so i'm kidding i love I, i'm very excited for sonic frontier um all right so what are we here for today what is this episode all about well uh, because we've got our dreamcast junkyard compatriots on it is all about the dreamcast this time of course uh, so we are very much sega focused yay um and we're going to be doing a game of the year style episode so those of you who listen to the dreamcast years podcast will know that we do a game of the year style thing where each person will pitch uh, their favorite game from that particular year in a minute we discuss it and then we put it up for a vote uh, but this time, rather than just being one particular year, it's going to be the Dreamcast years, which is confusing considering we've just discussed how many years <laughs> that is for us. Uh, but the actual Dreamcast years, so the dreams, the, the years that the Dreamcast was actually on the market, uh, we're going to be picking our favourite game from the Dreamcast from that time and, uh, and pitching it and then having a bit of a discussion. And we'll also be picking a track, a musical track from that particular game since we're on Radio Sega and it's Winterfest. We thought we had to get something musical in there. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing. And then I think my plan is, I think my plan is that we're going to do a bit of a vote on Twitter after this goes live. And I reckon we'll do Dreamcast Junkyard versus Dreamcast Years and then whittle it down to one game per podcast and then pitch those two games against each other. I think that's fair, right? hmm Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So there'll be some votes. There'll be a couple of polls coming up. Um, at the end of this episode, um, I'm going to do my usual wizardry and uh, put the polls up um, while this is playing live on Radio Sega, so you'll be able to start voting, and then uh, we'll go from there, uh, and I'm sure we'll probably have a bit of a a a bit of a discussion at the end of this as to what we think is the best of these choices, uh, but yeah, uh, I think we should get started if everybody's ready.
1: Let's do Where it. as I'll ever be.
0: Yep. All right, so should us we sweaty. record?
4: Yeah, let's get sweaty. Look, should we record like multiple versions of this as alternate realities? Depending on how the poll goes, we can just insert in our different commentary to adapt to each. Preset. It's a little too fancy.
1: Probably too fancy.
0: <laughs> it's way too fancy. <laughs> It'd be awesome though, right? It would be no? right. Yeah, it yeah. would be great. But um it would you be want great to... I... Andrew,
1: Andrew can't be bothered, so we're not gonna do it. <laughs> <You really can't.
0: laughs> Oh dear! If anybody else is editing it, the lovely um, RJJ Software has uh, done some editing for us recently, but unfortunately they're on Christmas break, so I have to edit this. So uh, anything, (laughs) anything overly fancy is just not on the agenda, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) So we'll just have a regular chat, and uh, we can always reconvene later to discuss the winner, perhaps maybe at a later date. Might be fun, but yeah, uh, Hmm. all right. I think I'm going to go with uh, with the Dreamcast junkyard first, with a DreamPod host and uh lewis i feel Ooh. like i want to come to you first for your pitch how does that sound are you ready
3: yeah i wrote it an hour ago
5: so okay um, remember
0: this has to fit in a minute so i will put you off <laughs> and go beyond the minute
5: yeah you, you can't do what i did on the last game of the year no. and just carry on ignoring the, the yeah. call and just carry on yeah yeah <laughs>
1: I mean, you can do that because when oh, Jason yeah. did it, we didn't do anything about it. He just kept going.
2: So That's
1: right. <laughs> I had important stuff to say. Yeah, it's
0: true. You yeah. did. This,
2: so, this is all wise. coming off your time, boys. So you keep going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I set
3: a timer on my phone?
0: Presumably. I've got a timer here. I, I will tell you when the time is up. You could just you oh, could just God. fluff it. You could pretend it's been a minute, Lewis. We would never know. So I've, I'm going to I'm gonna count you in. Are you ready?
3: Uh, okay.
0: All right. time starts do
3: do i introduce my pitch first though
0: oh yes of course you do uh what are you pitching for us lewis
3: i am pitching shenmue 2
0: interesting okay Mm -hmm. i can already i can already tell i can already feel the looks from one particular person um (laughs) i'm gonna count you in so your time lewis to pitch starts in three two one go
3: Okay so Shenmue 2 is everything that you loved about the first, just amped up to 11. While attention to detail is slighter in this and traded in favour of Expanse, this is arguably the biggest game to ever hit the Dreamcast. Environments are varied, massive and bustling, all the new characters are charming and it's also the game that introduced Lucky Hit, so how can you hate it really? Um, Greatest moment of this game comes on disc 4 where Ryo meets the girl of his dreams, literally Shenhua what follows is what I'd argue is the blueprint of all modern story-based games. Ryo walks with Shenhua on his way to Guilin, conversing with her on selected, select by selecting various topics. This is where, where you see Rio open up and actually talk to someone instead of just being a sociopath. Um, the beautiful music combined with the conversation makes this a moment in, in games that will stick with me forever. So, yeah, thank you, Yu Suzuki. And, yeah probably my favorite game in this trilogy so yep there you go time
0: time is <laughs> up yeah that was that was incredibly well timed Lewis <laughs> thanks did you did you like rehearse this beforehand
3: I missed out like three lines of oh, what yeah. I'd written <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear yeah that, that I think that's probably the most well timed pitch we had didn't we do like a forfeit once where we asked <coughs> I think it was rich to try and get as close to a minute as possible that's right. Yes. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, but that, that was literally dead on, but I think that's because you were also timing it, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah. If if only Shenmu finished as promptly as Lewis did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, we've already got some uh some uh heated thoughts, I think. James, come on. Tell us your thoughts about Shenmue too.
2: Uh, it's a bit pantomime for me to uh for me to, to cuss out Shemnu on a on a public uh, forum once again but um I, I to be honest i i whilst it's it's obviously not a game that i personally enjoy i can i can totally see um you know everything that that lewis has said around the game i actually um did play this as well as the original um And as I said, it's it's not for everyone, which is true of a lot of games. Uh, I'm sure my choice is going to be similarly uh, disputed by the the majority of the the fan base. Um, But you can't. One thing I've always said about Shenmue and Shenmue 2 is that you just can't take away the the technical achievement um, that they both had, and 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 the cultural significance that it had on the console. And, And for that reason, I think you've, you know, whether you would like the games or love them, you know, they will always be a significant piece of Dreamcast history
0: very true yeah um another person not so keen on shemmy even if they appreciate um what they've done in terms of general gameplay innovations and things like steve
1: mm-hmm.
0: um Shenmue two. too you played this right and i'm pretty I sure did. you you preferred this to one if i'm thinking correctly
1: i did i did prefer it to one yes
0: yeah. To low bar, but I preferred it. Um, it,
1: Look, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. So, you know, there's a bit of a history on Dreamcast years of of me not liking Shenmue, and we all have fun and games and a good jolly old jape about this. But a lot of people really love this game, and there's a good reason for that. And, you know, we are in December, so I'm not here to kick down somebody's heartfelt uh, appreciation. That said, uh, it is an irredeemably turgid crock of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my.
0: Um, what, I mean, does anybody else want to jump in in Chemi's defence here?
1: No? I
0: mean,
1: <laughs> it's, not, look, it's, it's not all bad. It's yeah. There's a lot to like about it. It's just it's too slow. Uh, it, it, the first game saw you driving a forklift truck around to move boxes for hours and hours and not content with that. The second game makes you do that by hand which t- talk about dialing things up to 11 like come on like it's the, the game is just full of it just it, very slow things that just drive me crazy um, I was kidding when I called it interminably turgid or whatever I said but yeah this game does my nut in
3: um, can I speak or am I not allowed
0: <laughs> ah, it's been a hotly contested thing on uh, Dreamcast, yeah. years, but go on you can speak it's fine
3: yeah just elaborating on this wasn't in my original pitch but like elaborating on like how I said it was you know the that last part of Shenmue 2 is like a blueprint for modern story driven games like if you just look at a game like Life is Strange or you know anything else similar to that like you know Firewatch like these games that kind of like really focus on like people as their like you know uh core story mechanic I suppose I don't know but that bit at the end of Shenmue too, like what other game was doing this thing where the gameplay was literally just walking from point A to point B with the focus being on the two characters conversation like to me that just blew my mind like wow you know and that was before you know that was before like indie games kind of like You know, made it more mainstream, I suppose. So, yeah, that's my thought on it, anyway. And that bit, I just love at the end of the game. You know, it's more memorable to me than black cars and, uh, you know, sailors. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for execution, though, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it's not the most interesting conversation that they're having.
3: Oh, it so is. I
1: mean, I. Uh, I'm always torn on
4: this. I mean, uh, uh, we'll get to my pick later. Um, but for Shenmue 2, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, if we're talking about the structured narrative of any of these games, as far as the authored like storytelling in terms of dialogue, character development, whatever, that these are am2 are not i'm sorry but i mean they are not storytellers like that is not why i come to these games uh, specifically shenmue 2 i think has kind of a bombast and a. uh it's more about just like going through it and and the experience of of having these high highs maybe literally with the with the skyscraper battle um and then uh, you know the, the quiet moments in between and all of mm-hmm. the all of the uh, range of different experiences that it that, uh, lets you kind of poke and prod at as you spend your time in its in Hong Kong and um, in the surrounding areas. That and it's it's more about just that journey rather, or like personally. And I'll get into this uh, with my pick a bit, but more than just like caring about any one character's you know journey. Like Rio, I don't I don't care about Rio. Like, I just don't, I think he's, he's an idiot. He, uh, you know, whatever it's, it's like, he'll, he'll talk to the same 10 people to get the one clue that he could have deduced just from a single conversation. Um, You know, I don't think that uh, any of us are, there's a, there is a charm to it though. Like, I don't think it's, it's Mm. good, but I love uh, that. It has this kind of, this, I don't know, B movie hokey, Um, maybe just like 80s kung fu movie style of of storytelling that is kind of interesting and at least charming in its own right, even if it's not uh, coherent or competent.
6: Yeah, that's
0: fair enough. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Jason, we have not heard from you. Any thoughts on Shenmue 2? Uh, Well,
5: I'm sitting here on a Dreamcast. Uh, podcast and I have to sit here and say that Shemnu 2 came a little bit too late for me in my Dreamcast life and uh, I never really played it so uh, it feels a bit blasphemous to say that and I feel like you're hanging on with me right now but uh, <laughs> um, obviously I've got experience of playing the first one but uh, I think where Shemnu 2 came so late in the Dreamcast life, and I think I kind of slightly moved on by then. Uh, other things started distracting me, so don't have a lot of experience with this game. And I feel quite bad for not playing this game. And um, it is something I am planning to write next year because I do have it sitting on my GDEMU ready to go. So, uh, yes, I do apologize, all, all Sega Dreamcast fans. I feel like I'm getting daggers.
0: You are now, yeah, you're not. It's fine, it's <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah. it's worth it it, I think it's worth playing. And also we are doing at some point we're doing another um crossover episode with the Dream Pod where we'll be talking about two thousand and two, which in the UK at least is when Shenmue Two came out on the Dreamcast. So maybe worth trying to get at least a little bit of it in before yeah. then <laughs> to, yeah, so you can have a bit of a discussion with us but yeah it's, it's certainly worth playing and the good thing about shemi 2 now is that great if you've got it on your gdmu but also it's available basically every platform now right it's on xbox yeah. playstation pc mm-hmm. so you can play it everywhere which is great yeah i mean there's
5: a there's a few series that i want to go back to that I haven't played in a long time, um, or, or you know things like Halo and stuff. I never played all the original Halo games, uh, and playing mm-hmm. Infinite now, um, I really want to go back and play those as, as well. So uh, in my mind, I feel like the, the first three or four months of next year, I just want to play old games and, and try and ignore new games, which which I think is going to be quite a hard challenge. But um, it, it's something I want to do because it's saying I want to go and, and play these games uh, to, you know, and have the experience of playing them, and and Shemnu Two and and even going back and playing Shenmue 1 again is is something that, that's high on my list of things to do, even though I think that's going to take me about three months <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully you'll be able to let us know how you got on with that on a uh, either a, a Dreamcast Years episode or maybe a Dream Dreampod at some point. Sure, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll find out. Uh, so, Lewis, let us know uh, a track from Shemmy 2 that uh, you want to highlight.
3: Yeah, so I just want to highlight the song from the part of the game that i like waxed so lyrically about and that's the theme that plays um in guilin forest
0: let's have a listen Awesome. Well, there we go. That's that's shemi too. Let's move on to the next pitch. And uh, so let's move on to a Dreamcast Years host. Now, I I think, Jason, we were just speaking to you. So Mm -hmm. let's let's, let's jump into your pitch. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. right. So what are you going to be pitching us for your uh, Dreamcast, favourite Dreamcast game?
5: Um, Well, on a previous Dreamcast Years podcast, I did claim that Crazy Taxi was my favourite Dreamcast game. And uh, I still sit here and, and claim that that is true but i feel like you know we we've talked about that game uh numerous times we all know we all know the game so i wanted to choose another one of my favorite games that um, i always look sort of back on fondly and always rejoy rejoy and also <laughs> enjoy replaying um and that game is metropolis street racer
0: awesome rejoy should be a word i i like that <laughs> i rejoy <I'm... laughs> yeah really enjoying it that's cool okay so um i'm gonna count i'm gonna count you down and um you've got one minute to pitch as to why metropolis street racer is the best dreamcast game are you ready
5: um yeah like I, i'm going off the cuff this time last time i was prepared this time it's just going to be a shambles i just pre warn you now. but yes let's go <laughs> this might last only 20 seconds i just you know
0: at least we're not asking you to do it in the voice of a pirate so <laughs> yeah Small mercies. Uh, all right your time <laughs> starts now
5: uh, so metropolis street racer is a racing game uh, but it sets you in real life uh cities and places which really helps to put you into the game uh, especially like if you live in any of these kind of cities or you've ever visited visited them um you know i always used to love going around london because it was uh i could recognize places and things like that and, and back then it wasn't really that well uh done was it that to, uh, to put these real life places into a, a racing game, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and also with the QDOS system and, and all this, you know, trying to encourage you to drift and score all these different points. And it was it was a, a completely new system and a game changer really in, in racing games. And then, of course, you've got the music as well. You know, I think this was just before Grand Theft Auto 3 and you had all the radio stations with all this different music and you had, like, proper music songs as well, which really uh, was was new to me. Oh,
0: Not letting it? you carry on this time, Jason. <laughs> Once was enough. You can't get away with it again. But thank Damn you it. very much for your pitch from Metropolis Street Racer. <laughs> um, somebody who very much likes uh, racing games, especially on the Dreamcast, is uh, mm-hmm. is James.
2: Yeah, I think I mean, Jason summed it up nicely to say, you know, it was a game changer, and I think it's completely fair to call Metropolis Street Racer a game changer. And it's criminal, really, that it didn't sell as much as that it was marketed and and was supposed to do so. I think you know you look back to the late 90s early 2000s and it was really the the coming of age of the racing genre really um you know you look back at PlayStation all the way through and it was that was the 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 genre if 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 the 360 and the PS3 was all about first person shooters i think racing racing games and the advancements that happened were were certainly the uh, the generation before and MSR i mean obviously the DNA lived on through Project Gotham Racing then on the Xbox and then PGR2 which is one of the best xbox live games for quite a while and i think um i I thought it was an amazing game it was um i found it super polished i know there were quite a number of sort of high profile bugs and issues that were raised about the game including a game breaking one that uh, i don't know if it was just pal regions that had that um but something that they had to do a massive recall on uh, Mm -hmm. at the beginning but it looks great um tons of licensed cars modeled you know to a new level of detail that we hadn't seen before on on console games um up to this point um you know you look at something like Gran Turismo which was you know amazing back in the day and i think looking at PGR puts it to shame really um and yeah i think if i was only going to criticize it in any way it would just be on the the track variety really i think um you know as we said it they took a long time in boasting about it being across these these three or four or five um you know major cities which was great um but i think in doing that and spending all the time mapping out these cities to make it look as realistic as possible i think the the actual track layouts um you know suffered a little bit because of that and i think i would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh exciting layouts and things but um but yeah really really great game and obviously it was kind of the the, the icing on the cake back in the day was the um the online leaderboards and stuff um where you could see how you shaped up to to drivers across the uh across Europe or in in your region which was um something that I I did back in the day as well um so yeah this is certainly up there um as one of the best racing games on Dreamcast and my for my two cents it's probably in in the top 10 of, of games that I would pick
0: excellent anybody else got any particularly strong feelings on Metropolis Street Racer either way you don't like it let us all know
4: I I loved it, but I don't really have a ton to add. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, you all hit on it pretty well. Very nice. Um, and I do, and you know, James, you alluded like how its DNA kind of lived on. Um, I mean, it does it the, with the Project Gotham series. It does kind of suck that uh, arcade racers of that of that cloth seem to be a little more rare um, than they used to be, but. Uh, I am always encouraged when something like, you know, the stuff that Playground Games works on with uh, the Forza Horizon series, especially uh, Horizon 5, um, I've had a lot of fun with that game, and I think that tapped into a lot of the appeal um, that games like uh, Metropolis Street Racer really, you know, solidified um, back in the day for me.
2: Yeah. it was um, it was definitely certainly in Europe anyway. I'm not sure if anyone else agrees, but it, from my memory of being around when Dreamcast um was contemporary, it was one of the most sort of hyped um, and advertised games for the console coming out. And I've just been checking now. I think it was it, the game only sold 120,000 copies worldwide, with about 13,000 in Europe, which is just it you know it's just bonkers compared to um, you know, compared to to what you see nowadays, for yeah. for for a major, for, well, first party published um, game that was like your flagship racing game to only sell uh, thirteen thousand copies in Europe is just, and I, yeah, it's just it's just staggering, really, and, and it deserves so much more. It was, um, you know, it it wasn't a bad game by any stretch. It, it deserved to be one of the best selling Dreamcast games, and I, I know Dreamcast games in general didn't sell amazingly well when you compare it to other consoles um but still thirteen thousand in europe is just yeah it's just shocking
3: presumably yeah. presumably that explains why this game was so easy to get sealed mm. i presume can you still get it sealed for like cheap now
2: or not, not so much anymore as not, because yeah. so, I, I, I bought a sealed copy funny enough about must be about five five or so years ago now and mm. i think i paid about a tenner for it sealed um but, yeah, you can still pick it up for about 30 or 40 quid um, sealed nowadays. But, yeah, it's, um, that's probably one of the reasons there were box loads of them left over.
0: Yeah. I think Pixel Heart has them in there, €25. Euro. So, brand new sealed, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Definitely. that will def- I was going to say the same thing, Lewis. It definitely goes some way to explain <laughs> why, there, why there's such an abundance of sealed copies of that game. But it, it, seems, it seems daft because it is such an uh, incredible game and it's from a company who you know thank goodness that they went on to create um project gotham racing and then had success with that and you know it's a shame that then things like blur didn't have the same kind of success and that you know bizarre creations ended up folding because you know th- their racing games were incredible and even blur um coming towards the end of their lifespan was a, a, an incredible racing game um with the arcade sensibility again and play say metropolis street racer kind of started all of that off for mm. a lot of these kind of modern games that take into account um you know kind of scores based on style and and things like that uh, which as brian pointed out things like forza do as well and in fact quite a lot of racing games now mm. do that the need for speed games uh kind of rate you on style and things like that right so it's uh it's very much ahead of its time for first a first of its kind so twenty years sold thirteen thousand copies in europe is 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 absolutely crazy it
2: it also makes no sense because if it came out in like 2002 or something you could understand it but i mean it you know it was originally supposed to be a launch title for dreamcast in in europe i believe um got pushed back i think to late 2000 but ultimately it's not like we're talking about it being a at a time where everyone had moved on and and started buying ps2s you know it was still very much during the contemporary life 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 lifespan of dreamcast so yeah it just does not doesn't add up to me definitely
0: doesn't Um, Before we move on, um, we need to get a music track from you, Jason, from Metropolis Street Racer. So let us know the track that you've chosen that you you really love from this game.
5: Um, Yes, of course. Um, My track that I chose was uh, called Let's Get It On Tonight. And uh, it sounds really, it sounds really (laughs) mucky, doesn't it? But... (laughs) 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 Um, I, I chose it. It's, it's one of the it's one of the pieces of music from the game that's like a, a like a proper song. I just loved hearing this song. It was just one of those songs when it came on, I was like, yes. And especially when you're cruising around in a car and it's uh, it's during the day and uh, it, the sun's out and such. And it just it just gave me that kind of sunny summer time kind of vibe. And always uh, oh, just used to put a smile on my face.
0: Nice. Let's hear it. Ha! Huh. What? Ha! Huh. Ha! Huh. Come on! Woo! Just Groza. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Huh. Let's get it on tonight. All right. When it goes a little something like this. With excuse.
2: Sorry, but I didn't mean to trouble you. I was just cruising along in my BMW. When I saw you driving by, you caught my eye. And then I thought, why are you on your own, all alone? Talking with someone on the end of a phone? Is there another guy just waiting for you to get home? Ha, girl, I should have known. So what's the deal between you and me? Can we get together, watch TV? I know there's a place that you'd rather be. The money means nothing and the drinks are free. Let me take you there. No need to be aware. Did I tell you I'm a millionaire? Forget about him, I'll treat you right. Let me turn out the light,
0: and we can get it on tonight. Huh. all tonight. Come on. Come on. Yeah, let's get it on tonight. all tonight. Well alright, alright. All yeah, no idea. Yeah. It's like that, it's like that.
1: All night, all night
0: baby. Okay, so let's move on and go back to a dreampod host um hmm, brian let's uh let's come to you next are you are you ready to pitch i mean no but let's do it anyway <laughs> let's do it anyway all right and uh, can you tell us what game are you pitching
4: uh yeah today i will be pitching shenmu the original Shenmue, um because why not somebody had to um so might as well be me
0: fair enough all right. uh i've got the timer here so brian your time to pitch shemu starts
4: now yeah uh, so Shenmue did a lot i mean it expanded my understanding of the kinds of experiences that medium is capable of um, and i do appreciate the unique and interesting ways that uh, you know we can interact and connect with video games um, beyond just like their fun factor or traditional benchmarks of gameness I mean it really tapped into something very different and instead Shenmue presents more of a cozy and dense uh, virtual home away from home so to speak that invites me to inhabit it rather than conquer it and for me the heart of Shenmue's appeal um, is in the narratives that unfold uh, more or less organically, just shaped by how I spend my time in the space, whether it's pestering folks who are on their daily routines around town, knocking on every door and picking up every object for no reason other than because I can, um, or just simply immersing myself in its community Main Street atmosphere. Um, there's just a magic in the modernity, uh, oh yeah, an aimlessness of it, I was just gonna say, uh, <laughs> that kind of just draws me in as I as I revisit it today
0: taking liberties there going over the time mm. but I'll, I'll allow it fine. So, so, it's
4: fine christmas okay. can we complete the sentence so that we're in the middle of is that does that help is that like
1: not really allowed i, uh, I not yeah. usually andrew is relentless about this kind of thing <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you for being uh so generous today andrew ah it's
0: Winterfest. you gotta, <laughs> you gotta give some uh cut some <laughs> slack for Winterfest. um jason you you said you didn't play shemmy 2 have you played the first shemmy uh, yes, I, I
5: have played Shemnu. Um, I've not played it to completion. Um, but yes, I have had, um, some form of experience with the game. And, uh, I think I've said on, on previous pods that it was, uh, it was an amazing game at the time, just, just for the things that we know about, about Shemnu, you know, with the, the day night cycle, um, and, and the story itself. And I quite liked how slow it was. Um, it was, uh, nice to be able to enjoy the story that it was trying to tell you
0: yeah that's so why i went for drink just as you said that of course <laughs> so you that's what would happen <laughs> uh, lewis obviously you pitched uh too. 2 so what are your thoughts on the original game and what and what is it that made you choose the second one over the first
3: um i think i yeah, it's a thing that I kind of like talk about a lot to people but feel like my uh, uh, my sort of love for Shenmue 2 is, is mostly going into the void because no one seems to agree with me. It's the same with Power Stone 2, no one seems to agree with me on that either. But um, no, I love Shenmue 2 because I, over Shenmue 1, like I love Shenmue 1, like when I first played it, like, I mean, I spoke a lot about this on the, the was it the two thousand? crossover one we did I think yeah, was it like 2000 yeah 2000 um so I, I had, I've had, i got kind of a better pitch of Shenmue there um but yeah I just you know I love sort of um sort of escapism in games and you know as I've I think um Steve said it's like going on a little holiday as he, as he put it on that episode and that is kind of how, what it's like but it's like you feel kind of like you're you, you know out of so many games I've played this is the one where you truly feel like like I personally truly feel like I'm like stepping into the shoes of somebody else it's like this mm. great game in that regard like and you just feel like it, the I suppose it's the detail of like the environments that really kind of like pull you in as well like you know you could play a visual novel and you know immerse yourself through clicking various options but you know when you're walking around those neighborhoods it just feels like so much more you know deep deep, I suppose but I like Shenmue too just because of the expanse of like the areas and also it's just like really cool that there's a game where you can just roam around Hong Kong Um, you know I remember I've got a friend who's from Hong Kong and I remember he was telling me he was like I'm missing home he was telling me because he was a he was an exchange student um studying in, in England and he was like I'm missing home I wanna you know I've, I've not been back for so long and I was like well come around my house and I'll show you Shenmue 2 and he was like yeah this is like my this is like my home like he was like really like he like appreciated it <laughs> so you know and just like um yeah it's just a, a cool game but yeah um Shenmue 1 is uh, you know obvious I, I obviously understand why people love it but yeah I'm just rambling now. Anyway, move on me.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, where you was mentioned about Hong Kong and stuff, in Chemnu 1 for me, it was like be, seeing this Japanese culture as well because mm-hmm. it was something that I never was really that aware of. Uh, obviously, the internet still coming into its own. Um, so really, it was a lot harder to really understand what it would be like to be living or, or visiting Japan unless you actually went there itself. Mm-hmm. So to have this game as well you could explore these streets that were set in japan and it being so you know uh cultural it, it was fascinating yeah yeah um, it
4: was kind of a work of virtual tourism in a way
5: sure yeah because it made almost, me want to go still want to yeah go almost now.
4: literally i mean you see how how you know Yokosuka. i mean how they've <laughs> like embraced that uh even with tying it to actual tours and things you can do when you go there and see the streets that inspired Dohuida and and uh, the harbour and the other locales like I don't know there's something kind of cool about that
5: uh, I'd say.
0: Absolutely very true very true. Um, all right so before we move on to the next pitch Brian what, uh, what track from the original Chemi did you want to highlight here?
4: yeah i couldn't remember the name of it but i i'm looking it up and i think this is the right one i'll i'll have to correct myself if i if i uh got if i mixed it up but harbor beats i think is the uh the track uh the the beats will be laying down today
0: awesome let's have a listen to that <laughs> So back to Dreamcast Years and Steve, are you, ready to, are you ready to pitch?
1: I am, yes. I also wrote something down about an hour ago, so I'm good to go.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'm good to and, stumble through this. Yeah, and your forfeit will be... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> no, 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 no uh, We're forfeit free this time. For anybody who hasn't listened to a Dreamcast Years episode before, usually when we do this style of podcast, one person will have a forfeit. Usually it's rich. Um, and it's very often hilarious, but this time, because I'm being nice, because it's you know because it's winter time, mm-hmm. the the most wonderful time of the year, I'm being very nice to everybody. I think, I'm being lovely. Um, Steve, Yes. what, what, what game are you pitching for? Us um, today? I am pitching Headhunter. Mmm. Okey dokey. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna count you. Are you ready? Yes. Okey dokey. Your time starts.
1: Now, so, Headhunter is a third-person action-adventure game where you spend most of your time on foot shooting bad guys or stealthing and snapping their necks with one hand. It has light cover mechanics which feel really cool and cinematic and make the shootouts feel satisfying. You get to ride your motorcycle between missions and while the driving com- mechanics are pretty rudimentary, they link the missions together in a way that along with the really fantastic soundtrack gives the overall world of Headhunter some sense of cohesion and grounding in reality that felt really unique at the time. In fact, where Headhunter stands out is its in its presentation and story Um, it's set in what feels like future Los Angeles as imagined in the 1980s and the whole style feels like a Paul Verhoeven movie with videos of actors playing news anchors reading the kinds of satirical headlines you'd see in Robocop like private companies enforcing the law and criminals having their organs transplanted to benefit the wealthiest in society the play characters a bounty hunter with amnesia called Jack Wade and he's exactly the archetype you'd expect him to be from that description it's ham fisted as hell but the game has a lot of heart and i can't Mm. help but being very endeared by it
0: (sighs) you managed to get through that. did you have anything left after that was that the end of it that was it wow it's pretty good pretty good very very well presented so well done Mm. well done anybody got any particularly um uh, any particular anything particular to say about headhunter anybody want to jump in
2: i still need to play it
0: (laughs) (laughs) you haven't played it yet (laughs)
4: I you know I'll play like I'll get into the first mission and then I just yeah I, I need to I need to really just sit down and give it a chance because I've heard so many great things about it and it just seems like a, it would be right up my alley but uh no still haven't played it yeah.
3: Brian did you like hear about this game at the time it wasn't released in America was it oh
4: yeah uh, well no but I mean it was in every video game
3: magazine mm. like
4: EGM would have had at least a blurb or two about it. And same with the, Dreamcast, the official Dreamcast magazine year. So definitely knew about it at the time. I mean, it came out a bit later, right? So
6: mm-hmm. um, you
4: know, I think they had made that decision, uh, probably uh, just driven by fiscal um, factors to not put that money into distributing it over here at that point.
2: I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's it's definitely one on my backlog to play. I, I actually received a copy last year or this year, I forget where the time's gone, when I bought my my second Dreamcast console to mod because I didn't want to mod my original launch console. Um, And it had a copy with that. And it was one that I'd never played before. And I've, I've played it for like a couple of minutes. Um, I was instantly impressed by how good it looked and how smooth everything was and how nice it controlled because I was kind of dreading that with only one analog stick. Um, mm. But it felt pretty good and it is it's certainly one of the ones on my backlog um to kind of uh to, to, to play through at some point um it, it's definitely sort of given me the appeal to go back to anyway
0: yeah it is a bit of a it's kind of a, it was a weird hidden gem for the dreamcast like so mm. it only came out in europe um and it just it, it, right at the end it was at the end of 2001 so it was well after the dreamcast had been discontinued i mean jason is this one you've played or is this like show me too and came a bit too late for you
5: um, I, I've recently uh, played some of Headhunter because uh, I I've got it on the GDMU, so um, it, it was one that was missed back in the day. And um, but yeah, a few months ago I, I did fire it up, and uh, I, I kind of agree with everything that Steve said in his pitch. Um, just everything about it, just it, I just really loved it from, from the looks to to the uh, the character and everything, and the exploring around the area that you start the game in. Um, but then when you get out and you get on that motorbike, it just uh, I don't know, it just opens up the game and just having that two different kind of gameplay things mixing together was is just uh, back then it must have been quite a revelation, but uh, to me it was it was just a great mix
1: yeah it's cool it's like you're done shooting a bunch of guys here in this diner and then some story happens and they say now you have to shoot a whole different bunch of guys but they're over town across that way and instead of just you know the game teleporting you across town you get on your bike with you know a sense of purpose and you ride across town Mm. uh it doesn't seem like that's a, a big deal these days but at the time that felt really cool it
5: was and the town and the and the, the the buildings and all it was quite well realized as well. really. It was, it?
1: yes, yeah. It's not. It's like it's not well known for being a particularly handsome game, but I actually think it looks really nice. I think it really nails yeah. the look that they're going for. Um, I think. I think when I
5: when I played it and I looked at it and I thought, well, for a a 2001 Dreamcast game, this, this is pretty awesome.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. So when, when you get to nighttime scenes and and when there's rain and things like that, it looks really atmospheric. Mm. It's pretty awesome.
1: Just a quick
4: question. Is it um, fairly linear then? I mean, when you're like driving across town, are those like dedicated linear
1: driving
4: segments or is is it more open?
1: So it is an open map, but um, and part of the progression of the game as well is earning points on your motorcycle by driving in a particular way, um, like driving cleanly and driving fast. And you can achieve Uh, those points by sort of riding around in the open world but calling it an open world is generous there isn't really anything in it other than other cars and then that and then that's it so it's linear in a sense but you you can technically go wherever you want to yeah
0: oh cool the areas that you then go to and it usually gives you just the one story location you can go to right and then when you get there that's a linear progression and then you go back on your motorbike and go to the next story location so yeah but it's uh it's interesting. Lewis, is this one that you've, have you played Headhunter?
6: Um,
3: I have it, but I have never sunk that much time into it. It's just, yeah, just never got around to it. Yep. <laughs>
0: uh, well, that's three people from the Dreamcast Junkyard who need to play Headhunter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's putting you on the list here. I don't know what this list is for, but it's, uh, it's a list, the list. It's a the list. naughty list. It's a the naughty list. list. Yeah. Very true. Um, Steve, what song from Headhunter did you want everybody to have a listen to? Um,
1: uh, so the soundtrack is is fantastic. It's by um, a guy called Richard Jakes. Is that how you say his second name? Jakes? I think it's called mm.
0: Jax. I've never heard Jacks. of um,
1: yeah, I have no idea. It is it is brilliant. Um, and the theme that I would like you to listen to is called Jack's theme. And it is the theme that plays when you're on the motorcycle, and it's very sweeping and orchestral and it's very Hollywood, and it'll give you a good a good flavour of the kind of tone the game's going going for. It's
3: uh, it's also five minutes long, so you know, go make yourself a couple <laughs> tea while it plays.
0: <laughs> I'm only gonna play a clip of it. Have a listen. us with then from the dreamcast junkyard side that leaves us with um the lovely james i already know what you're going to pitch and i almost don't want to come to you
2: rude After have to call me lovely and then you you come <laughs> up you then you follow it with that
0: the shit sandwich technique isn't it um so <laughs> <laughs> all right james um, let's let's just get this over with what is it that you're pitching us
2: feel like i'm losing at a losing battle here already um so uh the the game i'm going to be pitching today is spirit of speed 1937 and before i start (laughs) i do i do i do want to caveat this by saying that obviously i know the assignment was pitch your favorite game obviously spirit of speed is not my all-time favorite dreamcast game however it is a game that I feel like I need to champion with every public forum that I am afforded. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a game that I do genuinely enjoy playing. So uh, hence my decision to go with that. Season. All right.
0: Okay. Well, um, are you ready Are you ready to pitch?
2: I'm ready to pitch. I'm always ready to pitch Spirit of Speed, mate. You know me. I'm <laughs> ready to <laughs> do Yeah, yeah we, okay. We, Didn't have uh... to do any prep for tonight, boys.
3: Yeah, <laughs> this is why we picked two Shenmue games to sort of help <laughs> our side on the pole yeah sort of like balance this out yeah.
2: when he was saying about the poll at the beginning i was thinking oh man i'm really gonna let the junkyard down at this point
0: yeah <laughs> oh dear okay let's uh, let's get started on this um james your minute starts now Uh, So I'll start off by saying that
2: Spirit of Speed 1937 is one of the most criminally misunderstood games on the Dreamcast um, because the truth is most casual racers boot it up and expect to wall ride their way to victory in every race they take part in. The truth nobody wants to hear about Spirit of Speed 1937 is that 90 percent of people who claim to hate it have played it for no more than 30 seconds at best and most have never even played it at all. There's loads of cars um, and for a motor race anorak you know a lot of accuracy in there loads of tracks loads of variety loads of different game modes it's a genuinely difficult game it's not a let's just make the ai art, um, impossibly fast uh, way difficult artificially you've got to drive these cars you've got to practice and you've got to think ahead it's unforgiving It doesn't hold your hand, it's hard work, but that's what driving a Formula One car in 1937 was all about. Spirit of Speed 1937 is the dark souls of racing games (laughs) and and you only hate it because you can't handle it.
0: Wow.
1: Good lord. (laughs) So are you basically saying get good?
2: Get
0: good. Right. No, you
2: I'm going to drop my steering wheel
0: and walk out lay <laughs> <laughs> down the gauntlet for everybody there I,
1: I, I, I still can't tell if he's joking or not
0: <laughs> he's not I, I can tell you for certain he's not <laughs> oh uh, my goodness I, mean, I wrote 10 pages about this game for, for Andrew's book <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, I, mean, does it, I mean I can put my hand up and say I've never once played this game I know it's reputation but I've just not not played it. I do have it on my GDMU now, which at the moment is broken, so I can't play it. Um, Does anybody else have any experience with Spirit of Speed?
3: Can I dive in? Go on. So, I feel like I used to chat shit about this game, but then James swayed me. Don't get me wrong, I can't play it at all. Like, I'll suck at it, and I don't think I have the time for it. However, I just... Yeah, I can't help but like it slightly because of James's like you know very passion passionate uh, plea to us. Um, you know his his stream he did where he like explained sort of the ins and outs of it was uh, incredibly fascinating. Um, so I would like to say that there's a term in Japan called kosoge, which literally means shitty game, but it's like. It's like a thing in japan like a culture of people who embrace games that are kind of crap but they're fun too like i think the the biggest example is is it death crimson that's like the the famous kosoge game and i think this is like the dreamcast's like big kosoge game um although you know using a japanese term doesn't help because it sold 87 copies in japan (laughs) um you know but yeah I, i i am completely backing james on this one because you know brothers man you know dreamcast <laughs> junkyard brothers
2: I, I feel terrible for ripping on shen moon i feel like i'm gonna have to go play it after this
0: <laughs> oh dear has, has anybody else played spirit of speed <sighs> i kind of want to now yeah <laughs> my, my that, that
5: pitch is
1: has had that effect <clears throat> i mean i, I yeah. played i played uh
5: 20 minutes of okay. uh, spirit of seed so I've lasted the, the 30 seconds or, you know, more <laughs> what James said in the pitch.
2: You're in the 10%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
5: yeah. Uh, that's the only 20 minutes I've ever played.
3: I will say that the authority, Tom Charnock, hates this game. So, uh, and Mike. Uh, so, you know, it isn't obviously like, and I feel like they definitely would have played it for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> but um you know this is another one of them games where like angry video game uh, covers it and then everyone who's like new to retro gaming just kind of shits on it like the uh jaguar controller but
2: you know (laughs) what that's the funny thing avgn even they couldn't do an episode on it because it ended up being in one of their like mike and james mondays or whatever it was called because Mm. even even they couldn't find stuff that was actually that bad about it to actually put in an episode they just thought it was a bit boring which is what people get but it's like well yeah if you don't like old racing cars and old racing tracks don't play a game focused around old racing cars and old tracks because you're gonna find it boring yeah yeah
3: I think there is going to be an AVGM because he's doing that, like
2: yeah, that, it'll be in, yeah, he will touch on it now, I think yeah
3: yeah, because he's doing the LJN like all the ones he hasn't reviewed, and the second part is coming soon presumably, and he hasn't spoke about Spirit of Speed yet, so I think it will be in the...
2: Can I can I just add one more thing, Andrew, on this? Am I allowed Go on. to? Um, just because I've done obviously a load of research on this game in all seriousness um, because I do enjoy it. And as you know, I I wanted to um, try and give some good insight into the game for the book. And um, I read a lot of, 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 uh, reviews both contemporary but from the time and also people doing retrospectives I watched a lot of videos and I think what really annoyed me is just the same excuses keep coming back up and it's become satire now to say the game's bad because the, the control is awful and um, you know if you actually understand how to drive the cars if you actually get the fact that you know brakes in the 1930s were not like brakes on modern Formula One cars and you have to brake a lot sooner before the, the corner then yeah it does handle very differently. And the other one i read was how you know some of the cars are so much faster than the others and again it's like well you read the instruction manual if nothing else and it will tell you that that that's because they need to do a lot more pit stops than you the one negative thing i will say about the game is it doesn't although it doesn't hold your hand it doesn't do itself any favors with things like i did i actually started off a new championship earlier on today because i wanted to get it a bit fresh in my mind before we did this um the first two races in the championship took me over half an hour each to finish um and you know that's not really if you're not expecting it that's not really ideal but um but yeah apart from that i think uh, I, I encourage you all to go into it with an open mind and try it Fair i think quite a few people who will yeah <laughs>
1: yeah,
5: yeah, yeah i kind mean, of in a, oh yeah to say your your, your pitch has made me look at the game in a different light
2: yeah, you had me at Dark Souls of Racing
4: Games.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I might put that quote on my Twitter bio or something like that. Now,
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm in a similar boat as Jason on this. I I feel like I've put in a maybe an hour or two. Um, I I feel like it's just not. I don't have any ill will against Spirit of Speed. I just don't know if it hits in the way that I look for in most racing games that I enjoy. Um, I did actually kind of find it fairly rewarding, though, when I could get through a race without, like, you know, crashing or getting, you know, hitting a, one of the houses in the in the village or um, or just, you know, scraping the wall and letting everybody pass me. It was a similar feeling as um, Monaco Grand Prix in a way where it took me a little bit, but as soon as I, there was, like, a rewarding sense in itself just to be able to finish a race Um competently and so yeah i don't know i i get it i and i don't think it's a terrible game um it's just not one that really struck a uh, chord with me necessarily
6: uh,
3: james yes w- can i ask you if there was going to be the crown on the if we were going to crown the worst game on dreamcast would we go for something more like taxi 2 over this
2: yeah, but I think Taxi Two also comes in the so bad it's actually enjoyable camp.
6: Um
2: <laughs> yeah. again, I, I sort of played through that um recently because of the translation and, and I think yeah, that was another bad that a game that was just so bad that um yeah. I I'd say taxi two was a genuinely bad game. I think Spirit of Speed is a it's a bad game if you don't want a realistic racing game from the nineteen thirties. If you do, then I don't <laughs> think I don't think it's a bad game that's my that's my my final defense your honor
1: (laughs) i will say i'm looking at a video on youtube and it looks real bad
2: (laughs) see the um i don't think i mean again different tracks i think look bad on it there's one track in particular where the frame rate really struggles um just because of the design of the track i think more than anything it was programmed in using windows ce which wasn't a, a great choice um but yeah, I think it looks fine on some of the levels. Um, but a pro tip for anyone who does play, play it is press up on the D-pad when you start because it shows you all of your fuel and oil levels and tire pressure, uh, tire uh, wear and stuff, which is pretty critical actually to being able to finish races. Um, otherwise you're gonna find that you get five laps into a 20 lap race and just die in the middle of the track.
1: And if you crash, you have to drive back to where you crashed to collect your souls, is that right?
2: <laughs> yes you need to find a find a bonfire in the Fine, got it
5: okay. 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 <laughs> okay i think the trouble with spirit seed as well is like um it's just got a lot of competition on the dreamcast with other racing games and i appreciate you saying about um it's trying to give you that authentic 1930s driving feel but with the other complaints of the game I think that may be probably why a lot of people just think it's shit and move along to something else another racing game on the Dreamcast that fits their needs much better.
2: Yeah absolutely you're not wrong and I think yeah how they marketed it and again actually without spending too long on this when I spoke to the guys who made the game as part of the research for the book um you know one of the things they said was that if they could do it all over again you know how they marketed it would be a very different thing um and ultimately they went through a number of different um recycles of the code where it was kind of do we make it realistic or do we make it arcade and it was trying to find that weird balance in between and as you said ultimately if someone just wants to pick up and play a racing game they're going to go and get speed devils or you know sega rally or something like that Mm -hmm. instead it's um it's quite a, a unique. Um, audience that you're looking at for something like
0: this. Um, the small audience, right? First, you know, they're, they're very, They've kind of built, uh, kind of hemmed themselves into a niche really, haven't they? And it's yeah. like, well, how many people are actually going to want that who also own a Dreamcast? And uh, the yeah, exactly. answer is very few. I mean okay. you look at
2: the um you look at the piece sorry Andrew, i know i'm going on with this i could That's just right. talk about this um <laughs> you look at the i mean the game was obviously pc originally um mm-hmm. published published by micropros on pc who were you know massively um big for publishing r- r- uh, racing sims back in back in the day and you, you all you've got to do is go and look at the reception that the game had on pc compared to the reception the game had on dreamcast and it was like a completely different game um mm-hmm. you know it was um it was very uh very well i wouldn't say very well received but it was certainly you know it, w- it was a six seven hour 10 game on pc whereas it's you know universally mocked on dreamcast as well one of the worst games on the console which um as i said i think is is grossly unfair it's
0: fair enough all right well uh let's let's end our talk on spirit of speed and uh let's let's have a quick listen to uh one of your favorite tracks from the game james which uh, which track are you choosing
2: um, another reason why you've got to love the game. I'll uh, you can hear the uh, the main menu theme music, and um, if you don't sit around bobbing your head or doing a little dance on your chair, then uh, I'll be amazed. All
0: right, let us know if that's what you do. Let's have a listen. <laughs> last pitch now they should have been rich and rich chose giant gram something or other it was a wrestling game does anybody know the the, the name of the game I, I i never know the game that rich is going to push it's a difficult one. it's a rest it's a japanese wrestling game um it's an incredibly left field and i'm sure that that and spirit of speed would probably have come very low down the <laughs> rankings if we were to if we were to put it out to a public vote um but we'll i mean to be honest after james's impassioned pitch i wouldn't be surprised if spirit of speed came higher than i thought it was going to come but uh but yeah rich isn't here so i'm pitching instead and there's no way i can pitch that game because i've never played it and uh it's not something i can pitch so I'm, i'm gonna pitch um something different does somebody have a timer for me
1: i have a timer ready for
0: you excellent can always rely on steve for a timer um Alright so I'm going to pitch I mean there's so many Dreamcast games like so many I could, I could pitch Jet Set Radio I could pitch Skies of Arcadia D2 Space Channel 5 all sorts of games there's Power Stone there's so many games that I love on the Dreamcast but I'm going to pitch the, the game that made me buy a Dreamcast which was Resident Evil Code Veronica
1: <gasps> Shot horror to anyone that knows you at, at all in uh-huh. any <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright
0: all right, Are you ready? Uh, as I'll ever be. I'll count you down: three, two, one, go. So, Resident Evil Code Veronica is the first proper, true 3D Resident Evil game. It's a huge get for the Dreamcast. Uh, it was, you know, the the one that started. Uh, The trend of survival horror games moving towards 3D, of course, along with Dino Crisis. And it was just absolutely incredible. It was marketed as this uh, amazing looking um, 3D title that was full of horror and advanced the story of Resident Evil beyond uh, what we'd seen before. Brought back Claire from Resident Evil 2 and Chris, which is her brother from Resident Evil 1, uh, and they go to a a base somewhere on an island uh to find that there's more zombies and more umbrella um it's just an incredible uh, an incredible survival horror game probably the best on the dreamcast pro- no, definitely the best on the dreamcast and one of the better resident evil games especially from the old school style uh it, in, it, I, I, i'm struggling now um it's it's just brilliant has a wild and wacky story um but does everything Time. so well there we go good job I, I mean it wasn't really but thanks um, oh, Well, so... I,
1: considering you didn't know you were going to do that until you know five minutes before we started
0: true that's true um thanks I'll, I'll take that I'll, t- I'll take that win for today. <laughs> um who <laughs> wants to jump in and talk a bit about Resident Evil Code Veronica uh
3: I can now because I've played it Ooh. like well I'd played it before but like my, it was mainly my, me and my cousin were sort of like tag team in it and I kind of just let him play most of it but I've actually played it properly and engaged with it and um yeah I like it. I um it's definitely like a spectacle on the Dreamcast. Um and definitely cool that it was like, you know, as you say Andrew, the first fully 3D game. So it definitely feels like that jump to the the next generation. Um I the only thing I, I'd say about it is I don't really care for the setting. I do I I've played kind of like quite a good way in. I still need to get, you know, to the next. I know there's like two bits in in it. Mm-hmm. I still need to get to the second part, but like I wasn't really bothered about the island where um uh, Claire is um mm-hmm. and, and, you, I think it's just because I've played um, the first and the the second and I just like I love the mansion and the police precincts like a lot more in that regard um and yeah i mean and also there's the character in it who's just like really annoying and i can't remember his name steve steve yeah um he's he's a sort yeah um just the bit where he like you need was it you need a, a gun for something to like open something and he like takes it and you're just like oh my god like I hate you so much. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's a cool game, and like I can totally understand what I've heard on the Dreamcast years pod before, where you know like that that bit where you walk into that that um, barracks and there's like the uh, the the light like swinging on the ceiling and like the shadows and it just it is a really good looking game um, and annoyingly not play, playable through pal, uh, VGA on the pal version which like winds me up but yeah um so yeah that is um yeah it's, it's a cool game and i can understand why it's one of your favorites andrew
2: yeah, I, I can add to that. Um, and he's, uh, as a um, as a fellow Resident Evil fanboy, um, you know, was massively into Resident Evil on the PlayStation. It wasn't the reason I got a Dreamcast, but it was one of the first uh, games on Dreamcast that I remember pre-ordering from uh, from Gameplay of all places, the the <laughs> telephone as it was at the time order place. Um, and I think I've said this before on some podcast. The most impressive thing I think you can say about Code Veronica is that it really. Made the jump from what was, you know, a, a, a sort of pseudo three D environments to fully three D, you know, um, backgrounds and everything, compared to the pre rendered st- uh, stuff that you had on PlayStation. It made that jump so effortlessly um, that you almost forgot what Resident Evil games used to be like with the static cameras and and the way that the um, the backgrounds used to be. And I think that's quite a testament because you know, the Resident Evil always punched above its weight on PlayStation because of the pre-rendered backgrounds. Um, it looked really, really good, uh, especially on a CRT. And so being able to get that much detail into the new fully 3D backgrounds um, in, in, a, in a game that uh, was the kind of the first to do it, I think is something to be commended. And the other part of it is being a Dreamcast fanboy. It was um, having a, an exclusive Resident Evil game on, on the console was one that I... Um, just a fact that i really loved back in the day as well but um i think i, I mentioned earlier uh, msr in my top 10 i think code veronica would certainly be in my top 10 as well nice
0: Nice. anybody else got fond memories or otherwise of code veronica
1: yeah i mean yeah i do um i think you and i in particular had, had a good time playing through this game together um it's it's easy to like this game because it's, it's it's still sort of feels like the underdog in a way because it only came out on the Dreamcast so it feels like the one, I mean, you know obviously it's it's been ported everywhere else since but at the time it was an exclusive and it was a bit of a showcase on the Dreamcast for all of the reasons that have already been described here and, and yeah, I, I will say I, I keep wanting to go back to this game I, I really want to play through this game again but I, I the only thing about it, I don't think it's aged particularly well in some ways and the thing, the thing that annoys me the most is the amount of time you spend in that menu going into your inventory over and over again and coming back out again i feel like you do it more in code veronica than you do in any other resident evil game um not quite sure why
2: um you could call the, it the dark souls of menu management you
1: could, you could that's <laughs> right Yep. Yeah. and if you press the wrong menu thing you have to go back to where you pressed the wrong menu anyway um so the, the the story in Code Veronica was bonkers. Obviously, every other story in Resident Evil is pretty bonkers. But is Code Veronica, like, does this mark the, the first time that it went proper bonkers? Because it is off its nut, the story in this game, right?
0: <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, I feel like, I mean, it, it, it does, like, it kind of relies heavily on really super eccentric characters right that's right yes and beforehand you had Wesker maybe and uh, you know you'd you'd occasionally get some weird lines of dialogue but everybody was fairly normal apart Mm -hmm. from some of the you know apart from Wesker maybe whereas this one had like you know a a proper unhinged antagonist it really did and, and Steve
1: so and it took itself really seriously, even though you've got this chap. He's like a like a, a military guy, right? Like a military commander, but he's he's got like a split personality, and you think it's two separate characters, but they're actually the same character. Mm. It's yeah. bizarre. It's and I I feel like this is sort of maybe the first time Resident Evil strayed that far into bon bonk, bonk, bonkersville. But anyway. <laughs>
3: um yeah this is like something that makes me sound like a real noob but like going back to it after playing the like the gamecube resident evil uh, remake um like the tank controls feel a little bit kind of i don't know like it's slightly too late i don't because like if you look at something like d2 like the control on that even on one analog stick is just like really nice and obviously that came out before code Veronica, so that's like one gripe i have like obviously i can deal with it but it's like if you compare it to like resident evil remake like the way they managed the controls in that uh, even though they're still kind of tanky like just feel a lot smoother so that's like the only thing about this game that just like i'm not so keen
2: on didn't um didn't this game have your your um pulse meet your health pulse thing on the VMU, or am I making that up? Didn't, did. That yeah, was really that cool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good feature, sure. Yeah.
1: Which of course means you don't have to go into your inventory to check your health, which means you're in the inventory
2: less. Just not avoid I've... everything you've said. So, <laughs> so uh,
1: I've probably played this game more so on other platforms that don't have the VMU, which might explain why I feel like I'm in the menu so often. Yeah, perhaps.
0: Yeah, that's I think, possibly true.
5: I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned about this game recently was that isn't isn't Code Veronica kind of like the the true third game in the series?
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was it was um, I think it was meant to be, and then there was uh, I think I can't remember. It's it's all in Alex O'Neill's Neil's um, book, The Itchy Tasty, the, the unofficial history of Resident Evil. But yeah, essentially, I think it's something along the lines of they PlayStation wanted a third game, and so they made. What was meant to be a side story into resident evil 3 and code veronica essentially into a side story which but it continues the stories of one and two uh, so yeah mm. yeah
2: That's it happens straight after two doesn't it or quite soon after two in as far as the plot plots concerned on it yeah, yeah.
0: exactly it's it's not too far afterwards so
5: but yeah it was it was a great like you say, great get for the dreamcast in capcom having the faith in <clears throat> unfortunately having the faith to to put it on the Dreamcast, um, yeah. but that was kind of Capcom at the time, though, really, wasn't it? Like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> thank you, sorry, edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> like with putting Resident Evil 2 on the N64 a bit beforehand, uh, and what a, a feat that was as well. But mm-hmm. um, you know, kinda, they kind of decided we're just going to put Resident Evil Dreamcast, and then they went and said, oh, we're just going to put the Resident Evil games on GameCube. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a bit of a, a crazy time for Capcom, really, wasn't it?
0: it was a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian, have not heard from you yet. Have you got any thoughts on Code Veronica?
4: Um, I, I mean, it's no blue stinger, I guess.
0: <laughs> I so, mean, no. what is? What is?
4: What is <laughs> uh, no, I, I loved it at the time. I thought Code Veronica was excellent, and I have not played it in about 20 years. So there's probably wow. a good reason I haven't chimed in. I, I just don't remember too much about it, other than I did play when they re-released it on um, the 360, uh, just as a downloadable game. I, I played it a little bit then, and, uh, and I can echo some of the sentiments that maybe elements of it haven't aged especially well in terms of controls, narrative. I mean, Steve Burnside is a very annoying character. <laughs> um, but but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I think it was a great game. I, I yeah, I, I think it's uh, the. It came at an interesting time, um, you know, in Sega's history when they were still courting, you know, big games like a, uh, like that as a temple released for to sell the console. And so, in lieu of, uh, instead of any support from you know EA and the other heavy hitters, it was kind of cool that they at least got Capcom to be as um, involved uh, with exclusives as it was. And I think that's part of the enduring legacy of the console
0: in general. Mm. absolutely yeah very true um all right well because i was so unprepared i don't know the title of the track that i'm going to tell you but i know that it was the save room theme it probably is called save room theme but uh have a listen and then we'll come back in a second I'm being good, if you're listening on Radio Sega 1, this is broadcasting, polls should be up now there'll be two polls um, one for Dreamcast Years one for Dreamcast Junkyard and basically you just need to figure out which game from those two is going to compete against each other uh, so keep an eye out, I'll put that up for a few days, Um, if you're listening to this in the future, the poll's gone it's too late, you, you can't vote, it's just far too late
2: and remember, if you're not voting for Spirit of Speed, it's just because you can't handle it. So as long <laughs> as that's on your conscience, that's that's cool. Uh,
0: just to go around, just uh, just before we finish, um, if you could vote for anybody else's game, so you can't vote for your own, but you could vote for somebody else's. Whose game would you vote for? Uh, let's go around the room, James. Whose game would you vote for if you can't vote for your own?
2: Uh, I would probably vote for Metropolis Street Racer.
0: Lovely, Steve um i don't know
1: i just i just want to say i feel i feel bad for uh dumping on Shenmue 2 uh, earlier uh lewis that was a very good that was a very good pitch um thanks. can you can just remind me what's that japanese word again
3: kosoge okay
1: and that means
3: shitty game okay
1: cool all right um i don't who would i um one of the one of the shenmys maybe i don't know okay
0: well thanks for being so decisive, um, <laughs> Brian. Which would you pick? Uh,
4: I mean, I guess Shenmu 2 is the obvious, the closest to what I picked. So I don't know, Lewis. Uh, I, although I, I'm, I'm actually very interested in playing Headhunter now. So um, maybe yeah. that just because I haven't played it, and now I'm very interested in. Uh, that's like kind of moved a few notches up my list of,
0: of the, to play. Awesome. Uh, Jason, what would you pick? Um,
5: I, I think I was gonna if, be. Before James's pitch, um, I probably would have chosen Headhunter. But after that pitch, mate, I'm all in for Spirit of Speed. <laughs> wow. I'm going for it, man. That's what I'd go for.
0: <laughs> You've converted somebody, James. How does it feel?
2: <laughs> I've converted plenty of people on Spirit of Speed over the last couple of years, mate, I think.
0: <laughs> on a podcast, though, it must be a first. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Lewis, what game would you pick?
3: Um, I think that... um everyone did brilliant pictures. um i but it's you know it's got to be spirit of speed isn't it and um, you know if you want to hear um james go on about spirit of speed for more than a minute he went on about it for an hour and a half on our youtube channel so
6: um,
3: it is actually like genuinely fascinating like that's the thing like um okay like i was speaking about kosoge it's like there's there's an abundance of articles online that just kind of talk about shit games and why you know
2: it's not a shit game though let's just not mix words <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: Um,
3: and yeah but yeah he, he convinced me that it's a i don't know what what's like slightly above shit um I don't okay. know, like... Yeah. I mean
4: maybe maybe it's not such a continuum. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the worst thing a game can be, whether it's shitty or not, the worst thing a game can be uh is risk adverse. Like if it doesn't do anything interesting or new or try to at least spice up the medium with some sort of idea um or or innovation, like I think that is the most damning thing you could say about any game. Um, and i would not say it about spirit of speed I think that the mm. the strict period piece that it was going for and trying to um you know just depict this this uh racing as it was um 80 years ago or whatever however math works at this point point. and <laughs> um it's just yeah I don't know I think there's something very charming to that um I'd also give a shout out to mike's uh mike Phelan's uh flag article um that that dives into all of the flags that were how it like painstakingly um represented the the flags for all the countries at the time. Um so yeah it's historic perspective It seems to be uh, pretty impressive in, in its attention to detail. Um LJN I think did their homework and uh they should be commended. I think that yeah I respect it even if it's not my type of racing game.
0: Lovely. All right. Well, I mean, this has just become the spirit of speed podcast at this point, right? Mission accomplished. Do you all
1: own loads of sealed copies of that or something that you want to increase the value of on eBay? Is that what's going on there? Shut up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I tell you what, you, you laugh, but there will only be an 87 copies sold in Japan. The, the Japanese copies are like 100 odd quid nowadays to try and get one wow. off, uh, off eBay. Wow. There you go. Um...
0: I'd probably go if I was gonna if I was gonna pick one. It's a tosser between Metropolis, True Racer, and Shenmue for me. Uh, but it'd probably be Shenmue, I reckon. So yeah,
4: they're all good.
0: They're all good. Yeah. They're all good. And a Headhunter as well. he's fun. Ah, it's it's hard to choose. I mean. <laughs> these are just our pitches those are the six games that we've pitched i mean anybody listening whether you're listening through radio sega or if you're listening um on dreamcast years through our feed um feel free to let us know what your favorite dreamcast game is and why either on the radio sega discord if you're listening right now um or come over to the dreamcast years discord or find us on twitter wherever you want to go um just let us know what your favorite dreamcast game is and why uh but yeah Please have a vote as well if if you're in time to vote. Um, It'd be great to see what wins. It's probably going to be Spirit of speed now if I feel like that's just the way this is going. Um, (laughs) So we'll see. We will see. All right, let's uh, let's leave it there. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Radio Sega listeners. And I hope you are enjoying Winterfest and whatever comes next. You're going to enjoy. Before we go, let's go around and just uh, just see where everybody is and where you can find them. Uh, James, where can people find you?
2: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Agile Harvey, where I will be inevitably talking about Spirit of Speed and
0: motor racing in general. For the rest of time. Uh, Brian, where can people find you?
4: Uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Virtuous I also, if it's okay, I want to plug something uh, near and dear to my heart for the Saturn Junkyard. Um, Mm. We are celebrating the 15th anniversary of that website. It's the the blog, um, which of course we have the podcast, the Titancast, which I host. um, And then uh, we have YouTube channel. uh, We got the blog still. um, We have a Facebook group. So Definitely wanna plug all of that, but um, as part of this 15th anniversary uh, competition we're doing, we're actually like uh, having kind of a contest where people can submit um, whatever they're like, basically any uh, any form of art that they want to, whether it's a drawing or songs or videos or written pieces or uh, recorded pieces, um, just kind of celebrating the the Sega Saturn and its um, impact on gaming and on people just our experience personally um, with the medium so I just uh, want to shout that out I think I think we're going for a while it's uh, we're gonna have we're gonna start judging the entries in like February um, there are prizes we have had a, a quite a few people in the community donate things so we're actually giving away a variety of like art pieces, but, and, and other things, but uh, a console um, as well, a mm. custom console, I believe, and uh, a mm-hmm. few other things that you could win. So um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I think the details are on the Facebook uh, the Facebook group, the Saturn Junkyard, and then we got, I don't know, we'll probably shoot it out to Twitter and other things. Um, but yeah, and, and then uh, entries, I think you can just send them to uh, the Saturn Junkyard at gmail.com. That's how we'll collect them so yeah just, just that's it awesome sounds good sounds
5: good congratulations on reaching 15 years
4: yeah yeah, yeah I thanks don't. I mean there were about like give or take eight or nine of those that uh you know it was uh, just in stasis a bit so yeah I, I like to say 15 years uh of existence and seven years of excellence but hmm. <laughs> it's probably it's probably been more of that it's probably been more than that but yeah no, it's good times. It's it's been a lot of fun being part of that community, and um, yeah, I, I love uh, love being part of it, and all the stuff that uh, and cool ideas and and good people um, that I've met uh, over that time. Amazing.
0: awesome, uh, Lewis. Where can we find you, and can you tell us a little bit about where to find the Dreamcast Junkyard as well?
3: Yep, um, so you can find me at Twitter at Lewis JFC. Um, and you can find the Dreamcast Junkyard at www.thedreamcastjunkyard.co.uk. Um, there's links on that for basically all of our social media, such as um, Facebook, uh, our YouTube channel, um, our podcast, The Dream Pod, our Twitch. Um, the Twitter handle is at the DC Junkyard, which is where we tend to be most active. Uh, me and Mike, um, you know, posting our way to... You know victory mm-hmm. um and yeah we we've been quite busy on the blog recently so that's exciting um i think it's just like a i don't know it must be a christmas thing because we all seem to be sort of like you know winding down for the year just thinking of ways to you know write you know cool articles and stuff and, and contributing so yeah that's exciting um so yeah check us out we're gonna have a lot more things coming including episode 100 of the dream mm. pod so
0: very
3: exciting. mega exciting that that was uh recorded the other day uh, yesterday i believe actually and wrapped up and james knows all about that because he was on it but we're kind of like keeping it under wraps but if you want to check our discord there's a photo that we put up on mm. there of what went on so a bit of a sneak peek
0: yeah very excited for that and we've got the other half of that episode to record still don't we so um please do there's uh, if you go to the uh, at D- the dc junkyard on twitter i think we've asked for submissions so please do submit by the time this goes out hopefully i think we should still be accepting them but if not you might be too late and if you are yeah. that's fine but <laughs> please listen to episode 100 because it's going to be awesome
3: yeah it's like um like record if you want to record yourself to be on the podcast ask yeah. us a question give us a nice message or share a memory that's uh what we're doing currently. So it's a link that we've been sharing. So have a look for that.
0: Indeed. Absolutely. Cool. Um, and also we have, uh, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash dcjunkyard, I believe, uh, um, if you want to buy the a VMU battery for the Dreamcast Junkyard. <laughs> yeah.
6: That's that.
3: Yeah. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash dcjunkyard. Yeah. That's the one.
1: Lovely. Um, Steve. Yes, uh, you cannot find me on Twitter right now. I'm currently interneting in incognito mode, um, but you can find me uh, on the Dreamcast Years podcasts.
0: Mm, indeed, very true. Awesome. Uh, Jason, where can we find you? Uh,
5: you can you can find me on Twitter at gamerjasonuk, uh, and also you can find me and Rich do uh, a podcast called What's Wrong with Wolfie, which is our uh, podcast based on the 1990s where we're going through TVs, shows, movies, and video games, and uh, we recently had uh, a, a special guest in. That was you, wasn't it, Andrew? It was, yeah. Yes. Was so uh, our, <laughs> our 1995 TV show episode uh, featured the good, good Andrew himself, and uh, yeah, we're just we're just trying to get through the 90s and and just have a chat about all the great films and TV shows of the time.
0: Yeah, great podcast it is too. So. Uh going have a look so what's the twitter handle for that sorry
5: yes um that is at the wolfie pod
0: awesome go take a look um you can find me at augment84 on twitter you can find the dreamcast that i was gonna say the dreamcast junkyard we've already gone through that you can find dreamcast years at Dreamcast Years, and you can go to dreamcastyears.co.uk where you can find uh, the podcast. You can also find uh, the first book, which is Dreamcast Year One, which you can buy digitally, and the first zine that we've done, which is DCY, as well it's called DCY, um, which you can also buy a copy of digitally if you so wish. Uh, we're also on Buy Me A Coffee, which is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Dreamcast Years, where you can throw us some money we've not we've not been clever like the dreamcast junkyard we're not saying you can buy us a vmu battery we literally just say you can buy us a cup of coffee uh because we're not that clever um so please if you enjoy the if you enjoy what we're doing uh go and chuck us a few quid it would be much appreciated uh, but yeah and other than that uh you can also find myself at lost in colt Uh, where we're producing the lock on gaming journal we've just shipped volume two um and volume three which is coming very 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 soon is going to be dreamcast themed it's going to be a dreamcast special so uh very topical for this particular episode so please follow us along at lost in cult on twitter to be informed when the uh campaign for volume three is going to be up and running all righty that's enough plugging uh, let's uh, let's end it there thank you so much everybody thank you for joining me uh, guys it's been a lot of fun to chat to you all thank you Andrew thank you very much and uh, anybody listening please do vote and again happy Winterfest and uh, thank you very much for having us on uh, Radio Sega for a lovely joint episode between the Dreamcast Junkyard and uh, Dreamcast years had a lot of fun until next time see you later Bye-bye. bye bye bye